Five minutes past two o'clock, you're listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Thursday afternoon. And it's time for a bit of artsing around. Andrew Dembina joins us this afternoon. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks. How are you doing, Noreen? All right today? Yes, I'm doing very well. I'm so relieved at work because I'm trying you from our studio phone and sometimes we don't have much luck from it. You usually have to use the good old WhatsApp. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I can't believe my luck. Yeah, excellent. Well, can you hear me nice and clearly? Very clearly. It's good good from your end, yeah, because it's... uh, it's a cloudy day, and sometimes if we do the WhatsApp and with various signals, it can be worse. I'm glad this is working out. Exactly. No time delay or anything. Excellent. Well, what have you got yeah. for us this afternoon for Artsing Around? Well, okay, there's a bit of international focus, a bit of Hong Kong and Greater China, then a bit of international again, a kind of international sandwich with Hong Kong and Greater China as the filling, if you like. Excellent. Well, there's something for everyone, <laughs> yeah. if you like. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so starting off then with uh, something which I guess actually there is both a European and a Hong Kong angle in this. Uh, Van Gogh, the uh, the no longer with us for several years, decades, uh, many decades, the Dutch painter. He guy of who the cut off his own ear. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Familiar <laughs> yeah. with his, him, same, his work. The yes. same one. Yeah, um, it's going to be the first time that Hong Kong and indeed Asia sees one of his paintings auctioned in our neck of the woods very, very soon. Oh, really? Oh, auctioned here in Hong Kong? Two days' time. Wow, two days' time. You can be the owner of of a Van Gogh original. Well, you can be, but I'll get on to how much it's going to cost you in a mo. If you, uh, it's a, it's a pretty penny, I'll say that. It's a, uh, it's a still life painting of his uh, gladioli flowers, which um, is going to be uh, selling for over ten million uh, U.S. dollars. The estimate for Hong in Hong Kong dollars is between yeah seventy to a hundred mil. Um, so that's going up to a maximum of nearly thirteen million in estimate uh, U.S. dollars. So that is a lot of money for a. Uh, I feel sorry for him. You know, he never got to see any of this money. You know, I bet you... Yeah, anyway, I I don't know what I'd bet you, but, you know, it's it's just ironic, right? It's such a famous... Such famous artists, but they never see the... A dime of their... Yeah. yeah. I mean, he saw very little of it, truth be told. And uh, he was a Dutch painter. A lot of the Spanish painters, like Picasso and other well-known John Miro... A lot of other uh, very well-known kind of painters in the history of art, all they all flocked to Paris in the early 20th century. And what was quite famous was that uh, um, that they used to sometimes swap a painting, um, or as they got a little better known, maybe it would be a drawing, nothing as precious as an oil painting, for a meal in a restaurant. And some of the uh, restaurants and cafe owners that were the favourite haunts of the artists in the Place de Montmartre on a hill in Paris where a lot of studios were around there in those days, uh, would become uh, the holders of a great collection of some of the biggest names in modern art, while the uh, artists themselves handed some of their artwork over for the cost of a meal and a couple of glasses of wine. It's funny to think of that. Um, But um, the, the particular painting in question, which is called Still Life, a vase with gladioli, which was painted in 1886. It's going to go under the hammer 
uh, in two days' time uh, at Sotheby's auction house. Of course, there will be uh, people ringing in or or making their their uh, prices known from various other methods, probably a Sotheby's app or something, I would think, or a hotline that, in fact, probably straight to a... Yeah, aren't auctions kind of old school? You've got somebody there in the auction house sort of doing your work, doing your bidding, if you like? I think so, especially for this kind of price, yeah, up to 100 million Hong Kong dollars. You'd want someone to take the time to call you <laughs> and uh, and to maybe note the uh, the kind of bids that you want to make. So it probably will work more like that. Um, but Van Gogh, though, um, he's best known for his sunflowers and the Starry Night paintings um, where he did uh, swirly um, white light patterns around the stars of a, of a night sky, which were mostly painted i mean some were painted in holland where he came from over different periods of time in his earlier life but uh towards the end of his time he did spend a lot of time in uh, provence in the south of france and other parts of france including paris as i just mentioned he uh, also had a the... few sort of famous self-portraits were, were those self-portraits yeah, the ones yeah. with, without the ears with the bandage on it i can't remember well he he actually <laughs> He painted, he did, I think he did once do a, a single painting of himself with a bandage, but they've been really memed up big time for, um, you know, for internet funnies being passed around, where um, I think that one of them were, was actually genuine. But he did a lot of self-portraits when he was uh, in his early days, and for most of his time, as you mentioned, he was not a well-off artist. And so one of the things about painting models is that you need to pay them so often not just for the budget cost but also for to get better and better with skill of painting and looking uh, artists would sit in front of a mirror and paint self-portraits Rembrandt another Dutch master several hundred well a good couple of hundred or so years before Van Gogh um, was also a master of the self-portrait in a much more traditional and dark way. The Spanish painter Goya. There are many artists, even Picasso um, painted some in his early days, more self-portraits. He did a few as an old man as well, but he didn't do, uh, he didn't do many in his late, later years. He was too busy. In fact, Picasso really, compared to Van Gogh, did come into some sort of recognition in his own lifetime, but it was a little too late to make loads of money from there was other collectors that made most of it. Do you remember there was um, one time I did one of these artsing around reports and there was uh, a Swiss watch company that actually designed a watch for him while he was still alive in, his last, in the last 10 years of his life. Um, and that went under the hammer, the one that was made for him. It wasn't a line. Hmm. These days it would be I like remember. a line yeah. of Picasso watches. Yeah, can you, you know, in today, today's world, it would be like, how can we cash in by having a kind of signed uh, a signed off okay from an artist to uh, to sell a range of their watches, but in this case it was made for him as a present from the Swiss watchmaker. Yeah, you remember that it went oh, under yeah, the hammer. Yeah. So 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 uh, Van Gogh didn't get anything like that because he died at a relatively young age. So uh, he didn't live to be old enough to really um, you know get into that side of the commercialisation. But the, back to the flowers, they're gladioli, which are. Um, if people know they're those long-stemmed, small-flowered, um, well, not as large as, as lilies, say, and it's a, it's, a, it's a picture of a red, a bunch of red gladioli because they come in lots of different colours that people can get them in. And his brother, um, in, a, in a letter in the late 1880s, 
mentioned this and other paintings where he was absorbed by just painting and painting gladioli, one picture after another. He used to buy a bunch of fresh flowers and they'd be different colours. And you can find in the Van Gogh Museum and at different places that, that, that have his work some other variations of the same flower, sometimes in uh, different colours though rather than red, as this one is that's going to go under the hammer. And he's well known, of course, for the sunflowers. He did far fewer gladioli pictures, but that makes this rarer in a way because he did tens and tens of sunflowers. So this is considered to be a little less usual to come up, um, you know, for auction. So, I'm just trying to look at sort of the, the significance of the gladiolis and, and the meaning of it, but can't seem to find... Well, why was he so obsessed with it? And, and he loved drawing flowers. He did. I mean, yeah, the sunflowers were what he became best known for flower-wise. Um, there's, there's one particular uh, painting that he did of gladioli where he put some of those long stems that are usually packed with flowers that, 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 that come into bloom once a year in Europe. So he was obsessed, I think, by reflecting the seasons because a lot of the paintings that he did in Holland, the Hague, mm. where he spent several years living, was of crops turning different colours, like fields, fields of wheat that went from being green shoots. The same field would be painted full of green shoots before, they, before the wheat dries and then they became this kind of, well, wheat wheat meal colour, um, you know, beige, beige colour. That, um, that, that's, what, that's what a lot of artists were doing. In the early 20th century, uh, Cezanne was another one who would go back to the same spot in, the southern Fra in southern France and paint the same mountain landscape that he was attracted to magnetically uh, in Provence. And he would paint it season after season. Uh, also, Monet, the Impressionist painter oh, yeah. who lived in London for a while. Have you ever seen those paintings of the River Thames and the Houses of Parliament yeah, by Monet? Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're, they're done at different seasons. There's winter, there's summer, uh, as well as times of day. This is something oh. that artists try to capture, the, uh, the, the passing of time and the effects of nature on landscapes. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, so it was just something that he found a challenge and seasonal and a reflection of nature and so gladioli became one of them so let's see what it fetches um it was um it, it was also uh uh one of the paintings that he did of gladioli previously was given to a an artist friend from britain who was uh, called um uh, horace livens and he wrote to him, he wrote a note with a painting that he gave saying that he made a series of studies of simple flowers and he, th he thought that he was really becoming better and better at capturing and rendering the intense colour instead of having a, what he called, what Van Gogh called a grey harmony. I think he was really saying that he was... What's a grey harmony? Well, it's, it's not explained, but I think that rather than make a... Uh, a, a what is expected harmony, like a beautiful vase of flowers, that he wanted to capture simply what they were and, and the, for the colour the that they projected. Yeah, rather than make a pretty painting of, uh, you know, of flowers that all harmonised beautifully together to make a lovely painting, he wanted to capture the real essence of the flowers. Hmm. That's, uh, that's something that he said to another artist that was based in the UK. Oh, so let's see what happens with that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, Moving on to uh, to something else, um, I, I mentioned in uh, the previous weeks or um, several weeks ago that there were a couple of things happening in the 
art events in Hong Kong. Well, I want to broaden that by saying that um, the art fair season, which um, which would normally be happening earlier in the year, but because of COVID, it's been delayed or many, many art fairs and events have been uh, put on hold and coming out later, but they are happening. And uh, I did mention, and those who are into visiting them themselves will already know, that there was the Affordable Art Fair in Hong Kong in August, followed by the unscheduled event. It's called unscheduled. I mean, it was actually, it was booked and scheduled, in, in fact, but it's called unscheduled. And that's from the Hong Kong Galleries Association. And that was held in Central last month, in September. And now there are different things continuing to happen. So fingers crossed this is going to uh, keep, keep on continuing. Um, there are things happening in Greater China as well as in Hong Kong. But I'll start with Hong Kong, though, first, because tomorrow we have another event happening right here on our doorstep at the Hong Kong Convention and Exhibition Center. It's, the, it's called um, Fine Art Asia, and it's, uh, and it's a, a cross-section of modern and contemporary art by living artists and also collectible works by those who are um, from, I guess, the last century or so. The last century is still considered modern art with with capital letters, capital M for the modern, because it's from the 20th century. When we talk about modern art as a movement uh, or as a type of art, it really is from the early 20th century um, until pretty much it can. Some people consider it until 20 years ago. Well, pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, so, some people still think that it's that we're, that we're they're in still that age. Still the same era. <laughs> yeah, but we but, but but generally, you know, which yeah, the last twenty or thirty years would probably think. I would say more sort of till the end of the nineties, but yeah. But, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. But but the, but there's going to be a lot of uh, Asian artworks. So that's from people that are considered worthy artists from Japan, Hong Kong, Southeast Asia. So that'll be really interesting to see some of the most prized works of art in modern art in particular, with a little bit of contemporary, so from the last 30 years, at the Convention and Exhibition Centre. And that's, uh, if you want to find out more, it's at all one word, fineartasia.com for the details. And it's on from tomorrow, starting tomorrow, and it goes on till the 11th of this month. So it's going on till Monday. It will still be on on Monday itself. So check out more on that at that website. But uh, in mainland China, uh, from Shenzhen to Shanghai and even in Beijing, the rest of this autumn is still buzzing, fingers crossed, that they will still go ahead if everything remains as it is right now with events despite um, people not being able to see them uh, from here in, in the mainland. There's a lot going on which will attract people by video link for those who are collectors, but also, um, you know, aiming at the domestic uh, art lover and collector in China. So the, um, the, the, the also there was another one which I should have mentioned, which was in Shenzhen, just ended a few days ago, which was the inaugural... DNA Shenzhen Design and Art Fair, which uh, which closed on the 4th of October, which brought 34 art and design galleries. So it mixed up um, designer furniture, lighting, and different elements of uh, designing, even with some drafts of, uh, of planning, such things as urban planning and architecture. Some things were not for sale. It was showcasing the strength of design from mainland China in a, uh, in a setting which was 
mixed up with fine art in uh, in, in Shenzhen, which is pretty interesting. And um, the co-founder of that uh, inaugural event, whose name is Kylie Ying, says that why you know when when asked how come it was held in Shenzhen rather than Shanghai or Beijing, where most, to be honest, that's where most of the fine art and design happenings are, rather than Shenzhen. Uh, she said. Shenzhen is intrinsically the kind of place where you find things that are very developed in all kinds of areas of society. So we wanted to have a fair that was going to tap into the power and culture of design. I guess if you think about it, I mean, I haven't been to Shenzhen for a while, but they but they were some pretty wacky, uh, you know, um, architectural designs that went up. Uh, from about twenty or thirty years ago. Yeah,、um, so. I can only imagine. I mean, I, I'm not so entirely sure about the art scene, but I do know friends from、mm. the tech, sort of、uh, that the,、uh, the, the tech industry, and they've been、uh, in a few sort of incubator programs in, in Shenzhen、oh, right. uh, previously before coming to Hong Kong. And they said it's so, so fast; things happen there, pitches happen、mm. uh, within sort of three to four months, whereas in Hong Kong it can take up to a year before things finally happen.、Um, so I can、That's、imagine、amazing. it's yeah. Buzzing、um, well, in, in that, that aspect, and everything that, is sort of accelerated.、Yeah. That is amazing because you know it's funny when you、uh, when you think about Hong Kong compared to other parts of the world, like、um, let's say Europe or UK, where I'm originally from. I always think about architecture and the reclamation of land, and you know the whole, let's say, the whole of the、uh, where the IFC is and all that lot. I, I was here and watching that going up at incredible speed, and thinking how fast that is compared to some other parts of the world. But then to hear Shenzhen is in yet another high-speed、ah, gear. Totally, so, so, yeah. yeah. They, they've yeah. they've said just comparing sort of different sort of incubator programs and right, um and right. accelerator programs, it's faster there, and, and they get、yeah. funding and from prototype to to final. Product, oh, yeah,、um, yeah. much faster. Don't get slowed down by admin too much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know yeah. We, we need to do better here. I guess. Yeah, certain projects have taken a very long time here, but we're still waiting for. But the,、uh, although M Plus will be opening、uh, next month, so、uh, we'll be looking forward to seeing that. Talking more about that then. But、um, back to back to mainland China. The Beijing Contemporary Art Expo is also happening from the 13th of、uh, this month, so that's that's next week, next Wednesday,、uh, till the 17th of October. And Shanghai fairs have、uh, now recently expanded to four. There were three that were earmarked, but just recently、um, it's now going to be four, with、um, some of them being versions of international. You know, like we have the Art Basel Hong Kong over there. They're going to have. Uh, a merger between something that is a big noise in the world of design called Design Miami, which is going to be uh, with um, uh, a kind of a collaborative Shanghai design exhibition expo from the、uh, in early November, fourth to fourteenth of November.、Um, and there's also a photographic、um, fair, which, a lot of which will be fine art based. Some of it will be commercial photography based in Shanghai. Uh, from the third to sixth of November,、uh, it was originally meant to be happening in September. That's why there's four things happening now. And、um, there, also on the Bund in Shanghai, there's going to be、uh, Art Zero Two One, which is going to be、uh, collaborating with a、uh, an, the West Bund Art and Design Fair, all happening between the eleventh and the fourth of November. So a, a, a ton of stuff going on in art and design. In,、uh, in in mainland China,、um, the、uh, the Art Zero One、um, and West Bund Design Festival 
um, were always huge before COVID struck and they've been kind of holding back until now. Of course, they won't have the international stand or visitors that would normally be held there, but they're still expecting to have 120 uh, leading uh, galleries and designer brands and artist institutions, some of them still coming from abroad, uh, but hiring local workers and, you know, having sent their things and their exhibits in good time to be uh, to be seen by the uh, by the uh, mainland art and design interested visitor. So that's all rather buzzing, I would say, more more so than here. But then it is across a much larger piece of land, isn't it, from Shenzhen <laughs> up to <laughs> up to uh, Shanghai and then Beijing. So um, because Hong Kong travellers to the mainland um, still needs to go through um, uh, uh, three weeks of quarantine. Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's unlikely that too many people will invest that time unless they're really, unless they're exhibiting, I would have thought, to mm. go over there. Yeah. So, uh, however, some of those lucky people from the mainland who are, are able, although I suppose the 2,000 a day depends on uh, whether, you know, what your reasons are for visiting. I'm not sure of the uh, small print in that, but, but it was mentioned in an article that I read that, um, you know, as quarantine has been lifted for arrivals from the mainland of Hong Kong, that, um, that some visitors are expected to attend some of the uh, art shows that are happening here, like I mentioned at the start of this segment, you know, the, uh, the Fine Art Asia that's beginning tomorrow. That's beginning tomorrow and ending on the 11th. Well, it sounds like there is something for everyone. I'd be really keen to find out. Um, perhaps, Andrew, you can give us a bit of an update uh, next week or something like mm-hmm. that uh, with how much the Van Gogh uh, painting oh, yeah. fetches. Yeah, indeed, indeed. One mm-hmm. one last thing. Have I got time for one last mention? Very swift. Absolutely. Well, really. yeah, 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 sure. Okay, right. So uh, zipping off to the US now for uh, an announcement that was made just uh, a few days ago which is that something that's happened in 2019 and 2020, but not this year, the Global Jazz Music Awards will be, it's announced, will be happening in 2022. They're making a big fanfare about it, but it's not, uh, but the date and the venue has not yet been announced, but the people behind it wanted to say it's definitely going to happen because um, it's going to be, the 100th anniversary of that thing called jazz music in 2022. So the Global Jazz Music Awards are said to be happening by its organisers, um, which will be um, at, a, at, a, at a venue and a date yet to be announced. So if you're interested in jazz, you might want to kind of, from beginning of next year anyway, or even if, even if they have the confidence to announce it before then, to... Uh, to take note at who's going to be awarded. And the, the previous events of this have also attracted big, high-rolling celebs um, from the worlds of film and um, TV as well as music. There have been lots of big, big a roster from Denzel Washington to Jack Nicholson and all these different big names that you'd expect to attend more like the Academy Awards in the, in the case of some of them. But also pop music people, um, so uh, like... Um, like P. Diddy and uh, and others from the uh, very various types of music that aren't necessarily jazz, Jay Z, and all sorts. So Jay Z and jazz. Wow. Well, yeah, yeah. I suppose if you I suppose if you put J and his V together, it spells jazz. <laughs> so that would make sense why he'd turn up. He could uh, wear his uh, initials around his neck. Yeah. 
Yeah, I suppose he, he so. He's attended yeah. them before. I suppose yeah. a, a lot of different genres will draw inspiration from this wonderful um, uh, genre of its own, you know. Jazz has I think its, so. Yeah, I think its roots especially in, as it has its roots in um, um, in kind of soul um, black, and then black, R&B. Black yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and blues. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think yeah, some blues, of that plays into it. elements of hip hop a bit. Yeah, yeah. wow, definitely something yeah. for everyone from art. Well, from, from 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 paintings to art exhibitions to music. Andrew, thank you so much for your sharing for this week's Art Sing Around, and I look forward to more chats with you uh, next week. Thank you so much. Thanks, Noreen. Take care. Yep. Have a great Thursday and, and we'll have a, have a lovely weekend and we'll stay tuned uh, to your program on Saturday. Thank you so much, Andrew Dambina, uh, for this week's Artsing Around. And I'll be off tomorrow. Sadia Osmanini will be sitting in for me tomorrow. Thank you very much.